0: Hey, this is your host Shane with another exciting episode of Radical Rocks. Today we're going to talk about the Ashley Hills Collecting Area, Mule Canyon, February Birthstones, Fordite, Axe Knight, and more. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at Radical Rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand and hills and rings We'll be talking about uh, the Cargo Gold Mineral Property, which is uh, obviously a gold area. We'll talk about the Tucson Gem and Minerals Show. Also, we're going to talk about Axonite, interesting mineral. Uh, We'll talk about the Big Thunder Gold Mine. You can go there if you want. The Oldest Preserved Brain, so they say. Ruby Variations... February's birthstones, Fordite, Field Trips, and so much more, guys. So stay tuned as we get into that. I want to thank everybody for subscribing and sharing and liking uh, the podcast. Also the YouTube channel and also joining our social media. So just look up Radical Rocks. You'll find us on YouTube and Radical Rocks. You'll find us on Facebook. We have a really good presence on MeWe as well, if you like that. We're also on Twitter. I can't remember if I've got that on Radical Rocks or not. I'll have to look into that. But we are on all sorts of media. You can find us all over. Most active on MeWe and probably Facebook. Okay? So check that out. Let's get into it without any further ado. um, Fordite. A lot of the old timers have heard about Fordite and it is a mineral from the automotive Titan, the Ford Motor Company and other of Michigan's, uh, the Motor City, because that's where a lot of cars were made during the sixties and seventies. The majority of us made cars were put together there and the paint would layer upon layer, uh, cake up and harden some people call this michigan's agate if you go to wbckfm.com this is a 95.3 radio station on the fm dial they have an article on one of michigan's most unique and rare gemstones that isn't even a gem as we said that is paint and lauren gordon tells us all about it here she tells us that uh for rockhounds, the Great Lakes is uh, heaven on earth, right? There's all kinds of great things to find there. Uperite, we talked about the Uperite, the rock that glows from our friend Eric Rentamaki, the discoverer of Uperite, to the wonderful agates of the Great Lakes. There's other things too, and Fordite is one of them. This... Uh, goes along with some other things called Leland Bluestone, which is actually a blue glass slag from the old iron mines of the ore in UP. But Fordite, this is another uh, Motor City agate or industrial agate tied to the automaking company Ford. Fordite is a byproduct of painting cars. Back in the day when they used to have to do it all with sprayers by hand, this would cause a lot of overflow. And of course, they would uh, probably paint several cars one color and then switch to another. And this would cause layering upon layering of um, of this material. So it doesn't contain rocks or metal. It's just layers of enamel paint built up. Now, this has become quite valuable. The layers can be blue, yellows, Uh, orange, red, green. Um, Purple is very rare. In fact, uh, they tell some of the colors in this article about how they would build up. Um, They they will polish. It is kind of in short supply now because with new painting techniques, they just don't allow it to build up like that. But uh, it says Fordite, for the rarest pieces of Fordite, involves a period of high-impact colors in the 60s and 70s, like Ford's Grabber Blue or Mopar's Plum Crazy Purple. And they say here that on eBay you can find Fordite from anywhere from $48 to $300. How much would you be willing to pay for a paint chip, asks the um, publisher of this article, um and I saw her name here a minute ago, Lauren Gordon. So really fun article there that you can go check out. Also, um, there is a lot going on. We'll talk about that in a minute. Very interesting. New Mexico is a area where a lot of fossils have come. New Mexico in the United States of America, that is a state that is uh, considered the Southwest. It's more a little bit more East, but it is still the southwest, very south, borders with Mexico and Texas. And um, quite a few fossils are found in this area. Over 3,300 unique fossil organisms have been found in New Mexico. Uh, 700 are new marked scientific discoveries with over 100 becoming species or varieties of a new uh, genre. If you go a-z-animals.com, you can find out about eight dinosaurs that lived in New Mexico and where to see them today by Jeremiah Wright. They have several different pictures of these dinosaurs here using names that um, they're spelt a little different than what I'm familiar to, but most of these are Jurassic period. New Mexico is home to one of the earliest dinosaur, Cellophysis, which inhabited the region during the late Jurassic period Um, early to middle Jurassic periods are not that well known uh, in this area but uh, we'll go into some of the other ones this uh, Ciliophysis looks like um, a smaller dinosaur with a, a long neck sharp teeth and tail walks on two legs so it's bipedal And they would grow to nine and a half feet or three meters long. Allosaurus was there. Allosaurus is the one that kind of looks like the T-Rex, only it has the real hideous bumps. It's actually scarier looking than a T-Rex in a way. It'll look like they almost have these two horns on them. Um, These creatures once roamed that area. And the translation term Allosaurus means different lizard. And um, they're there. Stegosaurus, we can remember, is the large herbivore with the big plates that uh, start off smaller at the head and get huge on the top of the back of the ridge and then go all the way down its leg to the uh, spikes on the end. Stegosauruses were very big, get up to 23 feet long, uh, 7 meters, and weigh about 4.2 short tons or about 3.8 metric tons pretty crazy. Also, a dinosaur that looks a lot like the Brontosaurus um, of old days, the Cereopoda. This was another huge dinosaur that was present in New Mexico back in many, many years in the uh, Cretaceous period. Um, It's not a Jurassic period. They have very, very long necks and small heads, And uh, they could get a length of 108 to 112 feet, huge. Um, Said even the dwarf species could get 20 feet long, whatever that means, of seropods, I guess, seropods. This is a super saurus, um, this particular type. Uh, Also, some of them uh, could crack their tail like a whip um, to scare away predators or uh, maybe knock them down. Tryonosaurus is there. Um, This is a little bit different than a Trinosaurus. This is Tyrannosaurus dia. And uh, it does look like a T-Rex. The Ceratopsia or Ceratops, we've sometimes called them Triceratops. Uh, The Ceratops doesn't have three large horns sticking out of its head. It has one large horn sticking right out of uh, the top of its head, below its eyes, and above its nostrils. And then it has the huge ridge with horns that flare out in different directions from that. Um, These creatures would get some 30 feet long and weigh up to 20,000 pounds or 9 meters long and uh, 9,100 kilograms. Other little dinosaurs that had uh, bird-type bones and uh, only got about three feet long. Um, Some of the larger relatives could get 26 feet long, are also found there. That name is a little difficult to pronounce. Where to find more of these dinosaurs today? Well, there's the Natural History Museums throughout New Mexico. There's seven of them um, that you can look up. The Eastern New Mexico University Natural History Museum of uh, different areas are found there all over the state. So look that up. There's all kinds of great fossils that you can check out. 12 tips for attending the Tucson Gym and Mineral Show. Our friends at Rock and Gym, they will email you this. They've got some good tips. Um, definitely going to book in advance, you know, for staying the night, for even for uh, RVs or tent camping or what have you, you need to get it in advance because this is a big show. This is, they say, one of the biggest and best shows of all. I think Quartzite's a great show too, but Tucson uh, has been uh, huge and uh, big and draws in from amateurs to people who are just interested in these school groups, everything else. Um, do your homework. Find out if you're looking for a particular gemstone. There's vendors. So you can kind of map it out, Um, you know, get a radio or phone or whatever to, you know, if you're looking for something particular, uh, let people know that are in your group so they can keep an eye out for you. If you're going to wheel and deal, have a business card, Um, value and respect cultural differences. People travel from all over the world here. So, uh, you know, some people uh, may not want to argue and dicker over price and, uh, because of where they come from. So I don't know all the, the cultural differences and how you would know that, but just try to be respectful of people. Um, if you're serious, then, you know, be serious. Um, cause if they don't think you're serious, then, you know, they've, they've been dealing with people all day long. Don't get insulted. If they don't pay a lot of attention to you, they may just be tired. Um, If you're a budding gemologist, you can get business cards and follow up with people. You can network, plan a budget for what you're going to spend. There's public shows and association exhibits, so know the difference. And um, go to as many as the shows uh, and exhibits and, and discussions as you can that interest you. The public show has lots to offer, fossils, silver, turquoise, copper, loose stones, all sorts of things from beginner to expert. Wear comfortable shoes. You're going to be walking all over. And then they repeat gathering um, brochures and catalogs. The is attributed to Deb Brandit at the bottom for this story. So just think about it. If you're going to go, don't just go and not do a little bit of planning. It's always good to plan. You're going to have a better time. Now, here's something we talked about last week, the rare Roman gems that were found in the archaeological dig in Carlisle. And these were the ones that were found in the drain that I talked about. There's over 30 of them. And this article at itv.com says, rare Roman gems found during the archaeological dig in Carlisle. Um, reported by Tim Backshell, has a picture of every single one of them. He's got a video here. And these gemstones are amazing. Um, Most all of them are in really good condition. The carving work that's done usually on the back to give it kind of this lifelike three-dimensional look is amazing. The detail that they did. Remember, these were just in little rings. These things are only a few millimeters in size, they're not giant. So when you look at the craftsmanship of these, and then you see there's these ambers. Um, there's some of them are made out of garnet. Some are made out of of uh, amethyst. Some of them are made out of. Um, they're black. So perhaps uh, you know some sort of an onyx or something like that. Beautiful, beautiful works unearthed uh, in that drain and in perfect condition. Some of them look like carnelia. They're almost 2,000 years old. Uh, More than 30 stones fell off of these Roman dignitarians. These were special stamps that uh, were used to sometimes insignia who they were, uh, like a seal or something like that back in that day. And they call them little entanglios. And uh, they are very neat. They have a lot of gods and goddesses that are carved in them. One of them has uh, the goddess Venus, they believe. So this is pretty cool, a lot of history. If you wanna check this out, go and check it out on ITV.com and see what Tim Blackshell uh, will tell you in his video and in the article that is there. Amazing discovery, a rock that generates electricity discovered in Africa. Um, I've been seeing this article pop up for quite a while now. I don't know if I've commented on it because it is uh, something that I thought was a hoax. They say free electricity with a question mark. If you look up this uh, uh, rock that generates electricity in Africa, you're going to find a hundred or more articles on it. Uh, Andrew Topalaga tells us all about it in historyofyesterday.com. You can look it up. There's a video there. I watched it. It looks like uh, iron pyrite or fool's gold. The smaller piece <clears throat> that this gentleman has in his hand. They show in the video that uh, if they put a meter to this stone, and I'm assuming it's, I'm assuming it's um, an ohm meter, and they're just ohming it. That's not really voltage, but they show when they touch it, two of them together, it it, it lights up and sparks. Okay. I mean, it makes like it makes like a it looks like a welding, right like something welding. So the the general consensus is is that scientifically rocks that would just generate electricity. Um, there's no way that can happen. So in the video they show they have the rock. It, they put it on a crate to make you think that there's nothing connected to it. They connect a light to it, the light lights up. they connect a motor to it, the motor you know, spins. He holds it in his hands as if there's nothing connected to it. But a lot of times, these are just kind of trickery that uh, people are doing. I've seen them for, you know, perpetual motion machines and things like that or, or getting more power, using a little bit of power and getting more power. These things are typically um, trickery that is done. So uh, if you want to check that out, Andriel Tep uh, Laga is the Arthur. You can find that at historyofyesterday.com and see how that works. By the way, um, I do bushcraft with uh, for young people, teach them bushcraft, Bible, and boldness. It's just a community outreach that we have at our church. And um, we do all the different ways of starting fire. So if you were in a survival situation, you wanted to start something with fire. Well, you can start a fire with uh, like a hardened steel uh, and a a flint or chert or even jasper and even agate. You can get a spark out of it. Well, one of the other things that works pretty good for starting sparks is the iron pyrite. Of course, it it does break up and and make a mess, but uh, it actually works pretty good for, for fire starting. But, you know, who wants to destroy a nice piece of uh, iron pyrite. Scientists are baffled after a half a billion year old fossil in an Indian cave turns out to be a beehive. Rich Co. tells us about this at Natural or Nature World News. You go to natureworldnews.com and you can see that article there. Um, it is uh, telling us about this huge uh, or not huge. But this decent sized fossil it was found in India in this cave. They didn't know what it was. They weren't sure if it was, you know, just a natural occurring formation because, as we know, coral, uh, some minerals will form in in columns and and in shapes that could look much like a beehive. But with some uh, experimenting and x-rays, they claim, that this is a ancient, ancient beehive that has been fossilized that they found in the cave walls. So that's pretty interesting. Next, the world's oldest fossilized fish has the world's oldest preserved vertebrae brain and offers clue about evolutionary history, say scientists. So. Basically what they found here is what they're calling the oldest fossilized brain. Um, O. Sabelle Van Hagen tells us at businessinsider.com about this uh, claimed 300 million year old fossilized fish. What they have in here is a black fossil where you can see um, a little bit of a shape. And this shape is what they're saying came from a early ray finned fish that uh, according to the Marble University of Michigan News and the rare finding offers them new insight to the possible uh, evolving of extinct bony fish related to salmon. They have a picture of the brain here. It actually looks like like a parasite or a bug more than a brain, Um, but it does have two spheres. And they show a description of the fish here that uh, has what they say is the earliest fossilized brain of a backboned animal. It's very rare that scientists discover fossilized soft tissue as opposed to bones, shell, and teeth. So this exceptionally well-preserved brain of a vertebrae animal offers a new perspective to other ray finned fish that are still swimming today. So they can compare these to the ancient or from the ancient ones to modern day animals, um, their, uh, their ancestors today. Different types of ruby. Um, we talk about some of this from time to time. I think it's been a while since we've gone into the different varieties of ruby. Jeremy Newman tells us that the Uh, Let's see, Sosito Post, it's S-C-I-O-T-O Post. Probably saying it wrong, might be Cato, sicato Post. Anyway, Jeremy Newman tells us rubies are are very desirable. They're associated with passion and love and wealth. It's Valentine's Day, right? Very popular Valentine's gift will include rubies or other pink gemstones. Um, The ruby has unique characteristics um, there's a lot of lab grown ones out there, but, uh, there's also some beautiful ones. They estimate that its sales will increase over 5%, uh, between now and, uh, 2028. So if you decide to get a, a ruby, you need to learn about the shapes, the cuts, the sizes, and so on and so forth. So what are the rare rubies that are just not a ruby? What are some of the varieties course you've probably heard of a star ruby. The star ruby has this unique star-like effect that uh, is created by tiny needle inclusions within the ruby that cause the light to reflect a six rayed star pattern. Now there can be um, sometimes if it's just one ray or two or three or four or five or six. The more rays the better. These star rubies are prized for their beauty and rarity. Unlike star rubies Um, they are not cut for maximum size or brilliance. They are cut to maximize the star's effect, with the stone being cut into a cabochon shape to showcase the star pattern. Necklaces based on star rubies are set in an elegant setting and uh, are very, very beautiful. If you can afford one of these, uh, it certainly would be a good investment to get a genuine, natural star ruby cabochon rubies according to diamonds.pro on the Mohs scale rubies are hard gemstones with up to nine on the hardness scale because they're corundum Uh, cabochon ruby is very hard polished to a round dome smooth surface no facets Um, the cut will will be done to showcase the gem's uh, translucency and uh, hopefully not to bring out the inclusions or imperfections. But sometimes those can be interesting and help uh, bring more character to the gemstone. These are used in brooches, pennants, earrings, and uh, other traditional types of Indian and Tibetan jewelry where they are prized for their rich color and unique beauty. Pigeon blood ruby, this is the third one on our list. Very highly prized and sought after Ruby, because of its intense pure red color, like a drop of blood, right? Pigeon's blood it refers to the deep red hue that resembles the blood of a freshly killed pigeon. Of course, you know what the blood of a freshly pil- killed pigeon looks like, right? <laughs> or maybe not. Uh, these rubies are often found in Miramar, and uh, this is where. Uh, the source is considered the best in the world for pigeon blood rubies for the color. Four is the rare solid red rubies. These are known as um, the rarest rubies around the world, also uh, called lotus flower. These rubies are known for their unique peach to pink, orange-pink color. Typically found in Sri Lanka and Madagascar, like, uh, unlike other rubies, they are treated to enhance the color. Solid red rubies are natural and unaffected. Therefore, it makes them highly sought after by collectors and jewelers who appreciate the beauty of untreated gems. However, red rubies, solid red rubies are often more expensive than other rubies because of their rarity. Pink rubies are prized for the soft feminine color. They range from a pale deep pink to a light purple hue, often used in jewelry popular on occasions of anniversaries, birthdays, and Valentine's Day. Some of the places pink rubies are found is Madagascar, Thailand, Tanzania, Um, and such. They're naturally occurring. Purple rubies. I've mined purple rubies. You want to find out about mining rubies? There's a place in California where you can mine rubies. I have a video on my YouTube channel where we found red rubies and we found purple rubies or violet rubies. So check that out. Go to our YouTube channel. Just look up Radical Rock. We're there and subscribe and like and share while you're there. We appreciate it. Purple rubies are a unique and rare type prized only for their rich regal color. Uh, lavender to deep purple, considered more valuable than traditional red because of the scarcity and beauty. Although these rubies are found worldwide, Madagascar, Vietnam, Mozambique uh, are the main areas that the best quality ones are found. All right, tropical rubies. These are Malayan rubies and they are prized for their bright and vivid color. A range of warm reddish-orange to orange-pink shades are considered to some to be the most valuable in the world. These rubies have uh, variegated colors throughout one stone sometimes. And uh, unlike other rubies, which are treated to enhance colors, tropical rubies are natural and unmodified. These rubies are often cut into different shapes and sizes and set into jewelry from classical to traditional and modern vibrant designs. With the bright, vivid color and natural beauty, tropical rubies are valuable. All right. So each ruby has its own worth, according to the Gym Society. um, The refractive index is 1.762 to 1.778, which makes them very beautiful and the colors reflecting. The rare regal purple rubies and the soft feminine pink rubies Um, these are uh, very beautiful. If they are not treated in natural, very, very valuable. So look into that more. If you like rubies, this is a great month to do it. We're getting close to talking about Axionite. We're going to talk about the Big Thunder Mine. And uh, I think we also have uh, two field trips coming up for gemstones. So let's check it out. Let's check out the Big Thunder Gold Mine. Rockin' Jim tells us about this. Um, I know a lot of times we get these uh, stories and information from other sources. But the Big Thunder Gold Mine in South Dakota is a great place to visit. This is a real, genuine 1800 gold mine. You can find this, I believe, in South Dakota. It's in the Black Hills, yes, of South Dakota. There's history, gold. There was a lot of conflicts, you know, the Old West. Beautiful evergreen trees air- cover this area. And the history of this area, this thunder, big thunder gold mine. It happened uh, after fighting the local Native American Indian tribes. The Lakota settled in the Black Hills and in 1868, the U.S. government signed a treaty establishing the Great Suex Reservation, exempting the Black Hills from white settlement. However, gold was discovered in 1874 and everything changed. So uh, our American government lied again and went back on its word and plaster gold began uh, panning sluices rockers all this stuff all that gold got panned out and then they started looking underground. The first big load gold mine was the Keystone Gold Mine in 1891 that started a gold rush in the Black Hills again, combined with the Holy Terror Mine in 1898, discovered uh, four years earlier, and then in 1900. The year 1900, the two combined mines were producing 5,200 ounces of gold every two weeks, according to Dale Beatty in the Keystone Golds Mine Black Hills Mining History. So that's how it all started. Um, In 1882, the Big Thunder Gold Mine was originally known as Gold Hill Lode. There was a couple of German immigrants that drilled into the rock, And um, they were trying to reach a right adjacent the Lucky Boy Mine's rich vein. And in 1907, they intersected the Lucky Boy vein after digging an audit, which is a horizontal tunnel, 330 feet into the mountain. Unfortunately, the vein had tapered off to an unprofitable status. And 35 years after the mine started digging, the tunnel reached 680 feet with a total total. Uh, and a 250 feet underground, the mine was worked on until the death of the owner, Julius Engle, in 1921. Uh, today, well, they have tried to revitalize it, and uh, there are thousands of artifacts on exhibit. They've got uh, mills, they've got the stamp mill, they've got bell crusher jaws. Winch pulley, elevator equipment, ore carts, blacksmith equipment, mining tools, at the original assayer's office. So you go on this tour here, and they'll take you through this whole thing. It task- takes about 45 to 50 minutes. You get both the mining museum and the underground mine. Um, I'm not, they're not sponsoring me or anything. Like I said, this is just uh, um, uh, from Rock Rockin' Gym. They'll, they send emails to me with links that you can look at for free. But uh, they tour for 11.95, according to this, and 8.95 for children, uh, six to twelve, and under that is free. You can gold pan there. Uh, they pay a fee, you know, either one pan, or cheaper with the tour, or you can pan all day or half a day. All kinds of opportunities there. So it's thebigthundermine.com. You can call them uh, or look that up if you want. And the story was related by Helen Saris Herman. So that is pretty cool. The Big Thunder Gold Mine. Once the heyday of, uh, of gold mining in that area. All right. Now, the searchers are a rock uh, gym and mineral society from Anaheim, California. They've got a field trip to the Green Ash Hill and Mule Mountain field trip. It's going to be February the twenty fifth and February the twenty sixth. Um, if you want to find out about this, um, look it up. You can also email Rich Webb with two Bs. I'll just spell it out for you: R I C H W E B B three two four five at att dot net. If you're interested in this trip, or look up the Anaheim California Searchers Gym and Mineral Society. But what's going to happen, um, there is palm, petrified palm there, beautiful colors of jasper and agate that's float. Uh, There's even areas where you can dig it out if you want to get the sledgehammer and chisel out. Um, Petrified palm, palm wood, colorful chalcedony, bog agate palm, and even some of what they call Doug's fabled black agate could be found. There's dry camping in the area, but there is motels and hotels in the area as well. Um, Very close to the Early Man site, which has been closed for a long time. But uh, they're talking about going to Mule Canyon and how to get there and get this bog and black agate that they have there. Um, So you might want to check that out. Pretty neat place to go um, with the group. They have a potluck going on. So that's always fun. The other field trips that they've got is the Rainbow Ledge. Um, that's tentative for March. Clear Creek Plasma Agate and Kalinga. That's tentative for April. And then May, the Lovick uh, Siding, which I've done uh, I've done videos on some of those on Lovick uh, Siding for sure, where you can find some beautiful gemstone. All right. Now for our mineral of the day, I guess I'll call it Axionite. It's A-X-I-N-I-T-E. The Axionite Mineral Group. Well, uh, friends of ours send out an email with uh, gemstone sales that they have or mineral cells that they have. And I saw this Axionite and I thought, well, that's uh, interesting. That's one that I don't recall hearing. So as I looked it up, um, it comes from a Greek word, Axionite, named in 1787 after the Greek word uh, axine, which means axe. This is because of the sharp angle of the crystals of this mineral, kind of like an axe. Um, There's three types of axionite. The first type is called the FE. The second type is the MG. And the third type is the MN. Now, all these are related typically to tenzinite. So we'll get into that a little bit and talk about uh, what this is, a very collectible mineral. Uh, Ones from Germany and Italy are especially desirable. Um, So most of the types of axionite are the Fe type, okay? Um, We told you about the crystals being like an axe. Um, Typically, the member types are ferroaxite, that's the Fe, or magneosaxite or magna, a magnan axite. So that refers to its chemical composition. That's the difference of it. Sometimes you'll find axonite, um, aragonite. So it can be associated with these uh, uh, calcite type minerals as well. It's a basic aluminum boric uh, silica of calcium, iron, magnesium, and magnanese. The color can be a smoky brown, dark brown, purplish brown, green brown, gray, black. Less common would be purple and blue, green, orange, or yellow. Very rarely uh, multicolored. Um, So pretty cool. Um, Its hardness is fairly hard, about 6.5 to 7. So it's got a pretty good durability for being... uh, of the calcium family. So obviously the silicate that's in it, the borosilica is giving it quite the strength. Crystal forms again in these axite, flattened uh, tabulature type crystals with sharp edges and dense groups. Also they can be grainy, bladed, columnar, platy, agorites, rosettes of sharp crystals, massive crystals can be stained and have parallel growth lines specific gravity is about 3.3 to 3.4 the transparency is transparent to opaque Um, it is vitreous Uh, it will fracture in a conical or uneven fracture it can be it can have a tendency to be brittle and break along those lines Uh, axonite mn from franklin new jersey has a red fluorescence so this will Under, I don't know if it's a short wave or a long wave uh, black light, but it will fluorescent. And it's in the group of silicus and uh, psycholosilicus. The color, let's see, what else? If you do a streak on it, the streak will be colorless. um, And it typically is in crystal formations. In hornfields and other contact with metamorphic rocks near... um, Granite intrusions and granite pegmatites, alpine cliffs, and alterated diabase is its typical environment. It is an igneous and metamorphic rock type that uh, is what it is. Uses, uh, Axionite is primarily a collector's mineral. The sharp, transparent forms are highly collectible with the crystals and highly valuable as long as well as rarer colors and uh, different patterns of crystals. Some of the finest, the very finest axonite crystals have come from La Bourg d'Osannes, France, uh, as well as large, well-formed transparent crystals, sharp, platy aggregates, often coated with chlorite, have come from the metal valley Grinchen, Switzerland. A classic locality for Axionite is in the St. Just District of Cornwall, England. Especially Stamps, Chalzane, and Batalach, Russia, has produced exceptionally well-formed, large transparent crystals, many of them double terminated, from Puvia in Serenpol. Also, Russia is the famed location of the... Dalnegrishka Primorsky Cray, which has produced distinct pointy aggregates of axonite. In Japan, dark axonite crystals come from the Orbria Mine, the Ogogun, the Ita Perfecture, and the Toruku Mine, the Teichilho, the Maizukai, and other names that I will probably slaughter. Pakistan uh, produced jimmy alpine-type formations of this mineral. Nice brown crystals of axonite have been found in Tasmanian, Australia, at Colebrook Hill. The U.S.'s premier uh, axionite location is the new Melon's Dam spillway near Cooperpolius Caverns County. California, okay, so I guess that's two locations. New Mexico, Dam Spillway, near Cuprius, Calvary County, California, where sharp brown crystals were found in one-time construction fine. In Canada, Jimmy crystals come from the gray cloud claim, Heart River, Yukon Territory, Canada. So there's some other areas where you can find uh, the common form of it. Uh, The above locations, let's see, was common form locations for less common axionite types are the axionite MN, well known at the Franklin, Sussex County, New Jersey, where it forms a honey yellow to orange crystals that are strongly fluorescent. Other axionite MN localities include the Stig, Olsel, Norway, Dalnigorsk. Primarsky Cray, Russia, and uh, Peru, the Iron Cap Mine in Alvapai, Graham County, Arizona. Axionite MG has recently be f- been found uh, in very Jiminy, uh, excuse me, phenomenal Jimmy crystals, often purple, sometimes orange, and bicolored, at the Marolina Hills. Arsha Tansia, Tanzania Axian MG has also come from Lunling Mineral County, Nevada. So maybe there's some in Nevada if you're in America of this multicolored type, the bicolored type, or purple. That would be pretty cool. Tanzianite forms surprisingly aesthetic specimens despite its being a rare mineral. Sharp rosettes, rosettes come from the Moling yellow Mine in Italy. That's the one I was telling you about. Exceptionally colored examples were found, very limited occurrence at the Weasels Mine, Hotzel uh, in South Africa, in the Magnanese fields of South Africa. So they have other links here. You can go to uh, minerals.net and look up the Axonite mineral group here, and they will give you this information, a lot more. There's several pictures of this of these specimens. Uh, They've got links from Mindat organization, um, mineralogical uh, database of David Bartholomew and the mineral gallery. So they've got other things that you can check out here. They've got reds, greens, uh, what looks like purples, clears, browns, oranges, different colors, grays of these specimens that you can see. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. Until next time, remember, rockhounds don't die, they petrify.